Good morning and hello everybody and welcome. Welcome to the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show. I'm Yvonne E.L. Silver, your host. I have a bit of a squeaky voice today with a sore throat, so I will be mostly interviewing my guest and letting her talk. <laughs> so today I am joined by my guest, Jennifer Kaufman, who I'll formally introduce in just a moment. Hello, Jennifer. Hello, Yvonne. Good morning. Happy Monday. Thank you. And actually, this is going to air on Tuesday. So we're already fast forwarding through the week. (laughs) I am uh, located in Calgary, Alberta, at the base of the Rocky Mountains. And where are you dialing in from, Jennifer? I am south of Boston, Massachusetts, very close to Cape Cod. Okay, nice, nice part of the world. So today, if you haven't joined the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show before, wondering what's it all about, I interview women, women who have typically risen from tragedy to triumph and are now out in the world creating transformation, doing amazing work that is impacting many, many lives. Sometimes it's locally, and in this case, it is globally. And as I go through this interview today, I think if you have a pen and paper handy, there's going to be some real gems coming out of this interview, because Jennifer was standing mere feet from the first explosion of the 2013 Boston Marathon bombings. This is going to be such an interesting story. She is now the director and producer of the transformational movie that came after this tragic incident. It's called There's Got to Be More to Life. You can find out more about this at There's Got to Be More to Life.com. And it's based on her true story of rising up from this act of terrorism and childhood traumas where she went from barely surviving to thriving. These are the stories I showcase. I was so delighted when we connected Jennifer. So now she is an executive producer of two Emmy and Tally award winning films. There's one called A New Lease on Life, which is the Nines for Warriors Story and Freedom Isn't Free, The Folds of Honor Story. That sounds an interesting one. I haven't seen that. I'll have to uh, ask about that. She's also an inspirational speaker, as you can tell once we get into this interview. She's a best-selling author, um, award-winning results coach, and founder of the Rise and Thrive movement. Oh, that's so powerful. And through this work, she's um, created transformational movies, programs, retreats. She's really on a mission, as am I, to inspire, encourage, and empower people to rise and thrive to their best life. So welcome. I'm so glad that you could join me today. So let's start with Let's go back even before the bombings, because you mentioned here about surviving um, some childhood trauma. So why don't we just sort of set the stage and help the audience listeners really understand. Get your pens ready, people, because there's going to be a special gift later as well. Um, What is it that you went through in your childhood that's impacted how you dealt with this trauma of the bombing? And then what happened afterwards? Tell me the story. Uh, the first the first experience was my dad left my little sister and I and my mom when I was about six years old. And um, that was a really hard, hard thing. You know, um, here you are. You're just for me. I was in, you know, just in my second year of school. And, you know, my dad, my dad was gone. So it was just my mom and my sister and I. 
Um, and my mom is an amazing woman. And um, fast forward about a year later or so, I don't remember exactly the time frame, but about a year later, I was woken up in the middle of the night to a man breaking into our home and attacking my mom. My gosh. And I, I heard the scuffle and I heard the stuff and I'm like, what do I do? You know, I was, I was asleep in my bed. I'm like, do I stay in my room? Do I leave my room? You know, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful I had the courage to leave my room because mm-hmm. I truly believe that I saved my mom that night. And, um, but you can imagine as a kid, you're like, what is life about? I don't understand. Um, and then fast forward about a year later, my grandmother, who I was really close with, passed away. And then um, when I was 11 years old, I was sexually assaulted by a, a man and two women that I did not know. Wow. So most of my upbringing, I was just in this, like, I don't understand. Mm. <laughs> I don't understand why are these things happening. And, and I was coming from the place of why is this happening to me? Right. As if I was something wrong with me, right? Um, and that was my perception. That was my real perception. Like, I must be doing something wrong. I must be, you know what I mean? Um, as as a young kid would think. Right. And when I was 11 and that sexual assault happened, it happened at a cookout of all places. This mm-hmm. man approached me. I never had seen him before. And he basically said, hey, we're getting a bunch of kids to go out on a boat. Do you want to come? And I said, yeah, that sounds fun. And he's like, great, go ask your mom. So I went and I asked my mom and um, my mom's like, yes, you can go. Just make sure you wear your life jacket. And, you know, you have to understand, like this was in an age where, or in an era when we didn't lock our homes to our houses. We didn't lock our cars. We right. felt like, you know, things, people did the right thing. Yeah. So long story short is I ran off to the dock, which was just on the edge of the property. So where everyone else would gathered, you couldn't see the dock. Right. I get to the dock and I see this man and two other women, no kids. Mm. And for a brief second, I was like, well, that's weird. Never in a million years could I imagine what was going to happen next. When we came back from the boat ride, which was horrific, I ran off, but he ran after me, grabbed me, pulled me into the woods and proceeded to assault me again. But this time he threatened me. And he said that if you tell anyone, I will come and harm you and your family. That is so classic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So at 11 years old, I became the best actress of my life. Mm -hmm. And I literally buried that and I put on a facade. And then I worked my ass off in my teenage and young adult years to get by, frankly, right? Like, you know, and I used food, um, you know, later I used alcohol and sex to numb the pain and the outlet of it. And so I also became an overachiever. Mm -hmm. Seeking for that, oh, maybe if I reach that goal. I'll be happy. Yeah. I'll feel fulfilled. Yeah. And I'd get there and I'd have moments of happiness and moments of, but I'm like, is this it? And I literally would ponder, there's got to be more to life. And so fast forward, I was successful in the corporate world. I literally went from the mailroom 
to vice president executive level position in corporate America within about four, four and a half years. Right. It work became my life because it was the one thing I excelled at and I was good at. So even though I had a lot of people in my life, a lot of, um, you know, I was very outgoing. I'm still an outgoing person, but I kept people at arm's length. So even though I had this facade that I was always surrounded by a lot of people, I felt isolated and alone. Because mm-hmm. if I opened up, if I opened up, they might know, and then they might not like me. Mm-hmm. There are already so many parallels that I'm drawing from you know, what you experienced growing up to some of the things I experienced growing up. Um, you know, I also had... Um, at six, <laughs> around the age of six, um, an experience with my dad. Um, it wasn't um, it wasn't as traumatic, although to a you know to a young kid, I remember doing this beautiful. I thought it was beautiful, beautiful picture of a goat, in a standing in a field, and I had copied it from an, uh, another picture, and I was so proud of it. And my dad, my dad came back from World War Two with PTSD. So you got a bullet in Dunkirk. He's, um, you know, this very angry, mean person because he, you know, he didn't deal with it. They didn't treat thousands, hundreds of thousands of men coming back from the war then. And so it showed up as anger and frustration. And he, he trashed my picture. He, you know, he literally, um, you know, looked at it and like, that's not very good. I mean, I'm six, right? I was at the time I was heartbroken because I had worked so hard on that picture. And I remember going to my mom and she put three little gold sticky stars on the corner of it and was trying to soothe me that, yeah, it actually was really good. Um, And there were many other instances where, you know, the leather belt came out because I was doing something that he didn't like and, you know, he just had no patience. Um, And then also at age 11 too, having this, experience where I had flunked an exam by two marks and being told that you know when he opened up the envelope with the results I remember the morning he opened it standing in the hallway and he ripped open the envelope all excited thinking that you know this was going to be my results saying I was going to go to grammar school versus the secondary school which is where you know the smart kids or the not so smart kids went and his eyes black and literally screaming at me, you've failed. You'll never, ever be successful in life. And ripped the letter up and stormed out. And I'm 11. I'm just about to go into high school. And again, this is like a, a series of things that happened. This is like a, a high point. Well, not a high point, a low point in that uh, experience. But it, it had me had the similar kind of response where I put up the shield that I was so hurt and so heartbroken that he would treat me like that, that no one was ever going to treat me like that again. And I carried that shield till I was about 45, Jennifer, <laughs> and finally realized that I was actually keeping myself small behind the shield. And it was time to come out and step into what I was really supposed to be here to do, which is inspiring women to um, step into their greatest potential to to flourish in women entrepreneurs in particular to flourish and use their language, their powerful communications. So the opposite of what I had been experiencing so that no other woman 
felt that they didn't have the language and the verbal agility to respond to any situation with more powerful language. And that was what I wrote my book about. So, so many parallels. I am curious because you, you mentioned about whether you should have stayed in your room or not when you were in that situation with the man breaking into your house. What happened to your mom? What did you do? Because I had a, a similar um, interview where one of my previous guests, Jennifer Menard-Chen, who's now gone on to run a super successful um, business in Canada, in Ontario, Canada, with oh around 1,200 staff on her team. She is, is called Staff Shop. And she talked about taking a stand in front of her drunken father and um, literally having a, um, it was either a, yeah, it was a big knife. And she was literally ready to defend her mom who was on the floor. And she actually scared him off because she had such a big knife and was so fierce in her defense of, of her mom. What happened in your case? I used my voice, actually. Um, I... I didn't, you know, I was six or I was actually around seven at that age. I didn't think it happened in the middle of the night, right? Or for for me in the middle of the night, it could have been like, who knows what time, but I heard the door, my bedroom was next to the door. So I heard the scuffle and then I could hear my mom screaming. He ended up taking her into her room and I just got up. I kind of sneaked my way into the room and then I came in and I just started yelling, just yelling, screaming, leave my mom alone. And I just, and I got really defiant. Mm. Um, And it's like something else came over me, Yvonne. Mm -hmm. Like my mom is my rock, right? Like my mom is like, and you have to understand, like, obviously both my mom and and this man are much taller than me. Right. But there was like this, like, you know, get out of my house type of, you know, that came over me. And then he, he ended up stepping back away from my mom and my mom was able to get to the telephone and call for help. And then, and then, um, I remember help came and then I don't recall what happened after that because I ended up being put, you know, put aside, but, but that's what happened. And, but at that age, I told myself the world isn't safe. And I was hyper vigilant from that point forward. Right. I can imagine because I mean, if you're, your dad had already left and so your mom was your only parent so absolutely that you would want to step in and try to ensure that she didn't disappear too that makes total sense to me so it's like it's almost like you know I became an adult with not knowing I became an adult Mm -hmm. and um I was very protective of my mom uh, very protective of my little sister at the time as well and it was just and I kind of lived with that shield, if you will. Mm-hmm. I now, it's fascinating. You know, I also grew up in an era where you don't talk to strangers. Yeah. Now I have a very different perspective. Yeah. I talk to strangers all the time and I'm like, I'm not afraid because I realize I create my own safety now. But like you, I was 42. Mm-hmm. I was 42 when the bombings happened. Right. And the most horrific experience of my life at that point, And yet it turned out to be the greatest gift of my life. Mm-hmm. Well, you were told, um, I've watched the movie that you made afterwards, which was phenomenal. Some incredible guests and transformational global experts that many of whom I recognize. 
as I was listening to that, uh, you know, Christy Whitman, um, Dr. Sue Mortar, um, you know, there's just so many of them. But you were told by medical experts that after that bombing that you would never fully recover. And yet you have come through that with this incredible, inspiring endurance. So can you share? Are you willing to go back to that? Absolutely. I know it was traumatic and I know that you've done so much work, inner work to heal from it. Are you okay to talk a little bit about that day? Absolutely. Um, and, and it's why it took me so long to create the film because I had to do a lot of inner work to be able to get to the place to talk about it. Let me right. give you a little bit of context before I answer the question so that your listeners understand. Yeah. So because of what I shared about my childhood, I had a lot of anxiety growing up and then I, I battled with depression. So I was, when I was probably in my teens, I was on um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. And I came on and on. I, I basically was on and off of that through teens, 20s, and 30s, right? I would attempt to come off it because I didn't like the way it made me feel. Right. Lo- long story short is um, I am in my late 30s, early, you know, approaching 40. And I'm like, I was very active in life. And although I had put on a little bit of weight, I was still athletic, but I didn't feel good. And I had gone to the doctors and I had a routine, physical, blood work, et cetera, and everything came back normal. Right. I'm like, something's not right. Like I knew my body, something wasn't right. So long story short is I was speaking to a friend of mine and she's like, why don't you reach out to this gentleman who comes to your home and he'll do a more deeper analysis of your blood work? I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, that's weird. I'm like, someone's going to come to my house and take my blood and analyze it in front of me. I'd never heard of that before. And mm-hmm. she's like, I've done it. I trusted this woman. I was like, fine. It was like $150. I'm like, well, I can't, you know, $150, not a big deal. I can't lose. This gentleman just asked me to fill out simple paperwork. He didn't ask me for any of my, you know, long history of medical issues. Right. He pricks my finger, sticks it under a microscope. And he's like, did you have a head injury at one point in your life? Yes. How do you know that? He's like, oh, look. And he showed me. He showed me how something looked abnormal on, on my blood work. And then hmm. he basically, and then he was able to see, he's like, have you, have you taken a lot of medication? And I said, I have. I've been on a lot of antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds. And when I had my brain injury, it was also on um, pain meds and anti-inflammatories. He goes, your liver is struggling because of all the medication you've been on. Hmm. How come this didn't get picked up? In, tr- in traditional blood work through my doctor who had been seeing for all this before the this, this is before him, this is before the bombings okay. so now at this stage i'm off all medication hmm. and i have found breath work and meditation as my outlet for dealing with you know just calming me and centering yeah. me yeah so now the bombings happen and I am in excruciating pain because I was 15 feet from the first of two explosions. And that didn't happen right away. To be clear, when that happened, you just get into adrenaline and reaction mode. Right. You just, it's just like, oh my gosh, I got to get my friend and I out of this situation. Yeah. So I wasn't aware something was wrong until 45 minutes later when we walked from Boston to Cambridge. And all of a sudden, I notice my stomach is blowing up like a like a balloon, like I'm pregnant. Mm. And I'm all of a sudden starting to become aware, like, oh, my gosh, I feel incredibly ill. 
and I feel like I'm going to pass out. So long story short is we ended up having to get in a cab to go to the hospital. Right. And we got into the hospital. They started doing all of these tests and I'll never forget. I'm on the gurney and I'm convulsing from the neck down. I didn't know then that that was a natural response that my body was doing to get rid of all of the stress and the cortisol mm-hmm. and the adrenaline. But I was restrained and I felt trapped. And I would speak to the doctors and nurses like my stomach feels like it's going to explode. But they were talking like I was about to have a, you know, a, a massive heart attack. I wasn't present to heart issues. So there was this like also traumatic experience in the hospital. I didn't feel heard. I felt trapped. And I'm like, all I wanted, I'm 42 years old and all I wanted was my mom. Mm-hmm. I lost my phone in the experience. It's like, you know, and it, um, it was awful. And I had a battery of tests done and I remember being wheeled in and the technician said, I need to inject you with some dye. I'm like, please, no, I don't want any of that. I don't want any more chemicals in my body. And that was because of my awareness a few years before. Mm -hmm. So I remember crying, begging her, please, can't you do the test without the injecting me with the dye? And she's like, no. And then she convinced me it was a life or death decision because if I was bleeding internally and they didn't know it, I could bleed to death. Right. So even though I didn't want it, I succumbed to taking it. And I felt all of the symptoms that she said I would feel. And I felt even worse. And then I got wheeled back into my room in the ER And I'm like, really? Like, not knowing if I'm going to live another day, just like, there's got to be a better way. And most of the doctors and nurses had left my room at that time. So there was a little bit of quiet. And in that quiet, I heard a soft voice inside my head say, you have to learn how to heal naturally. You have to learn how to heal. Heal naturally. naturally. Okay. I don't know how to do that. I have no medical background. I have no, you know, my background's in business. Mm -hmm. But there was something about that inner voice was like, okay, I've got to, I've got to listen to that inner guidance. And because of my past experience with medicine, I'm like, okay, we're going to go on this journey, not knowing how to do it. I was terrified, but I'm like, this is better than the alternative. Mm-hmm. And I spent the next four years on a journey of learning how to heal 100% naturally. I took no medication. I did it all through holistic types of modalities, many of which I didn't even know of right. before this experience. And now that's what I talk about. Yeah. That is such a great learning from the film um, that I took away as well is, you know, First off, listening when that soft whisper comes, because when it washes over you, it's almost like it's an absolute concrete inner knowing. And yet, sometimes it can be that very flighty kind of thing that you can't really wrap your head around. And so for you, was it a light whisper or was it a really strong knowing? that you I would say we had to do the, do this this way 
It was a little bit of both. It, I, I likened it to, it was a soft whisper, but it was like a parent telling a child, like, you've got to go on this journey and do this. So there was something about the wisdom that even though it scared me, I had a knowing I had, I had to go down this path. Right. Um, and I was like, but I don't know, I don't even know how to do that. But the first step was, okay, I've, the doctors and nurses were urging me to stay. Mm-hmm. My aunt, who at this point worked in a hospital nearby, was able to come to me, also was urging me to stay. Right. So for once, I had to listen to my own instincts and trust my own intuition more than the so-called experts that were all around me. Because the truth is, I'm the expert of me. Absolutely. And I had to take that courageous, and it was a very courageous step forward to the unknown, and I don't regret it at all. Mm -hmm. And it taught me about life that I hadn't understood before. I had to surrender in ways in which I can't even begin to articulate what that was like. But I really was just like, I am, I am at the mercy. I am surrendering to there has to be a better way. And I'm going to go on this journey to figure it out, not only for myself, but to share my insights and wisdom with others who are, who are seeking a better way. Right. So fascinating. I mean, I remember in my early 30s, and I've I've talked to quite a lot of people. I think a lot of times people go through a similar question in their early 30s of, you know, is this all there is to life? Um, And that was that was when I had one of those moments (laughs) where I was I was asking that question um, and what came through and I said you know what I really 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 want is and the word came through a child and I was like ah, what the heck because I had not been planning on having children at that point and I was like whoa where did that come from and as soon as the words were out of my mouth it was kind of hmm a child wait a minute a child well if I'm going to do that, then I better get on. I better get going because I was like 33 at the time when that message came through and ended up where I did have my son. Um, as you know, Jennifer, he's a special needs child. He's now you know, 27 and he ended up, um, you know, there were some indicators during the pregnancy that something wasn't 100% right. Um, my husband and I at the time, ex-husband now decided that we would still go through um, with the regular pregnancy. I wasn't going to have, uh, you know, someone poking a great big needle in my spine only to find out that after two years of trying to get pregnant that, you know, maybe we weren't going to have a perfect child. Well, I don't know if there is such a thing as a perfect child because a lot of the kids I've met, if they're physically able, some of them are just horrors. You know, they're not nice kids. So Alex ended up being a special needs kid with some developmental delays and yet he's gone on to do some incredible things in his life and I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that later on but that was an important point in my life where I hadn't expected that to come up so it just pays that 
you know, when we are uh, really wanting the answer, going to a place of stillness and letting that answer, whatever that might be, come through and then trusting that it is, in fact, the right answer, whether it's a small whisper or in my case, it was a really loud voice, that that is your next best step. You don't have to see the whole journey, but you just have to see what is the first step that I need to take? What is the next step I need to take? Yeah. So what happened and, next for you? Well, it's, it's interesting because um, what happened next was it's as if everything was orchestrated without me knowing it was orchestrated. Cool. So, the so <laughs> the universe, exactly. But this is where I didn't have this level of insight before. Yeah. Right. And so, because I was trying to control life, I was trying to control life. I was trying to control keeping myself in check, right? You know, portraying to the world that all is well when it really wasn't on the inside. Yeah. And now, like, it's like I literally was blown open in a good way to dismantle all of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I recently said to a friend of mine, like, it, unfortunately, <laughs> It took a bomb for me to actually get in touch with all of the trauma I had been stuffing inside of me to make peace with it and to integrate that to become the woman that I am today. And I feel it is my God-given mission to speak about this because don't wait until the bomb happens. Right. You know, and I don't mean just a literal bomb. And I, I want to say something to, to something you said earlier, Yvonne. We have a tendency as human beings to want to compare our traumas. Like, well, you know, I often get, well, I haven't been through trauma as worse as you. And I'm like, please, please don't compare your mm-hmm. trauma to mine. Because if you take away this, this situation or the circumstance, we're left feeling almost the same way. Right. Right. It's just like our stories and our circumstances may be different, but trauma is trauma. And and none of us deserve to minimize it. None of us deserve to compare it. It is it's real. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how do we then take that? And and I liken it now to it's like manure. When you put manure on a seed, Mm -hmm. it nourishes it to eventually it pops up in blossoms and blooms. Right. And that's the, what I've learned. And so what to go back to your question, like I just took the next step and then mm-hmm. the next step got revealed. Like, for example, I had no, no wherewithal to go to the computer to ask for help. That was just, that wasn't even there. I was literally processing did I just live through what I think I lived through? And did I witness and experience what I witnessed? No human being should ever have to experience that. Your dad who lived, who, who actually went to war. Mm -hmm. I felt like that day of the bombings was a war zone. And so your dad had PTSD and came back and didn't have, wasn't given the tools to process that and look at the impact it had on his family. Right. That's the impact of not dealing with our trauma. And so, you know, 
it's been a journey. It's been a journey of discovery. It's been a journey of healing from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Blown up to a better life. I think that's what we'll call this interview. Yeah. yeah. Even as you were talking about the breaking open part, um, Anais has a, a saying talking about the seed pod has to crack open first before the, the growth can occur. And that's very much what I heard in in your message too. So you didn't know what the next step was going to be. No. But so for example, I so so the next step I so I knew when I when I discharged myself and went and stayed with my aunt at the time. So keep in mind my car was in lockdown for days because the city was in lockdown. I couldn't get back to my apartment in the city. All of these things happened. So but after a couple of days, all of a sudden, because I was in silence, right? I didn't want television. I didn't want, I didn't want, I was just in isolation mode. Mm-hmm. And I heard reach out to a, my therapist that I hadn't seen or worked with in like 12 years. Mm-hmm. I pick up the phone, I call, I leave a message. Within an hour, I had a response back. She cleared her schedule and I was able to see her the next day. Okay. Step one. Step one. Yeah. Step two was a friend of mine um, reached out to me and said, you need to get, you know, you need to get some chiropractic care. And I was like, I can't have anybody touch my body because mm-hmm. my understanding of chiropractic care then was manual manipulation because I had had it before. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> aware there was, there was a gentle form of chiropractic care. I didn't even know it existed. My friend's like, I got you an appointment and took me there. And then I was literally, you know, I was timid about it. And this woman was amazing. Ends up just like, just like the most amazing soul. She was like, she's, she's Dr. Christina Scott. She's featured in my film. She's become a dear friend of mine. Yeah. She met me where I was at and she, you know, she's been a dear friend to me, mm-hmm. but she had gentle care and gentle t- and she was able to give my body relief. She saw, she treated me five days a week in the beginning because I wasn't able to walk normal. Um, and so it took about five months before I was able to walk normal again, but like the amazing, I mean, she had a full schedule. In her chiropractic care, it's not like, you know, you know, but these people just gave me the care that I needed at the time that I needed it. And then next thing you know, another friend calls up and says, hey, I got you an appointment to see a brain integration therapist. What's brain integration therapy? I'd never heard of it before. Yeah. These things just like breadcrumbs, they just magically show up when it's meant to be, don't they? And yes. And and it's like, again, trusting just like enough of the mustard seed. Like, it's not like, I like, okay, why is my friend calling me out of the blue? Gets me this appointment. I had to trust, like, and I wasn't well enough to question it. Does that make sense? Like I was in yeah. such a vulnerable space. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I'll go. And then I go and I'm like, what the heck is this? And then, but then when I, after the hour long session, I had relief. I was like, I don't even need to know what it is. I know how I feel in my body. Mm-hmm. Like I was given relief 
And then over time, and then, and then these people met me with such compassion. I didn't even know these people. They were strangers to me and they became friends. And then, you know, who does this? This, this is fascinating. So I ended up over the course of probably in the first month, I had five key people, Mm -hmm. a nutritionist, a chiropractor, my therapist, and acupuncturist Mm -hmm. all working with me. And, um, and they were my A team and they didn't know each other, but they all, but they started to get to know each other and they all, without me asking, gave me their cell phone numbers. If you need anything, you reach out to me. Who does that? And I felt incredibly blessed. Mm -hmm. What, what was the, um, cause of your stomach feeling like it was you know, imploding like what was that and and did it just go away by itself was it no it took it took time um so I was wearing a, a camera with a full lens around and so right. it was right over my abdomen area when right. the explosion went off I was thrown into a cement barricade uh that that because I was a spectator and the runners were just on the other side about to cross the finish line so I was thrown into a cement barricade. And so the, um, the camera protruded into my abdomen. So mm-hmm. I had internal swelling of all of my major organs. And because I was so close to the blast. So we have, you know, our cardio system, our respiratory system, our digestive system, our endocrine system, they all work in harmony. Right. But what happened because I was so close to the explosion, it literally blew holes in my energetic field. Mm-hmm. And if you remember from the film, now I I could feel it, but traditional medicine didn't have a way to detect it. It wasn't until I started seeing acupuncturist and, and later on, um, you know, biofield um, tuning practitioner right. that they were like, oh my gosh, your, your, your energy feels like Swiss cheese. And I'm like, yeah. So we had to repair that. And then over time, my system started to come back into alignment and harmony. And then ultimately, my my abdominal area um, did heal over time. Um, But again, through all natural means, you know, um, I did a whole host of of modalities. I can't say any one over another because they all contributed to my rising and thriving at this stage. Yeah. Well, I get that part about the energetic field. Um, I am certified Reiki practitioner level two. So, um, you know, healing a tear in someone's aura and being able to feel into where there's something sticky or blocking or you know, creating creating new flow as part of uh, you know the work that I do. I don't hang out a shingle as a Reiki practitioner per se, but I work with that as part of the work I'm doing with my clients. Um, Female clients, they're typically women entrepreneurs who've, you know, they've made their first couple of hundred thousand dollars already, but they've now realized that they're working so hard on their business that they don't have balance in their life. They don't have enough beach time or family time. And it's time now to actually start adding people to their team so they can actually take time off because they're not thriving and they want to flourish. So this whole conversation of, you know, what, what is it that's getting in your way? Sometimes they're not feeling 100% confident about making those hiring decisions, or maybe it's about even asking for a bigger sale. It could be an energy block very frequently. It's an energy block in their throat, 
which is keeping them from being able to ask for what it is they really want. Sometimes it's about language, sometimes it's about removing energy blocks. So there is a lot of powerful, powerful healing work that is being done. And just a couple of weeks ago, we were at an event, my husband and I, we actually went to a live event, holy smokes, after COVID. It felt good. (laughs) (laughs) And they had, um, uh, I don't know if you know Sharon Kahn, Sharon and her husband, Ed, who are sound uh, healing practitioners and also have a certification for sound healing and did a a little bit of a sound healing on my husband who had actually had ringing in his ears that week. And after he had the tuning forks for less than a minute, probably, you know, not that long, um, instantly was able to say, wow, isn't that weird? It's gone. And so I know that some of the things that we can't see and and, um, uh, Michael Beckwith talks about this. I don't have his famous quote. It's actually in my book, my best-selling book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. I talk about that quote, but it's reflecting on the things that you cannot see, which are actually the things that are the most powerful in life. Things like love, right? You can't see it, right, per se, but you can see the reaction, the effect that it has on people. Um, Electricity, super powerful. You can't see it, but you can see the impact of it. And in that uh, that way, same thing with Reiki, when I I need to go and see my Reiki healer as well, Reiki master, and uh, get myself balanced before... Um, the end of the week if I can <laughs> we've we've had a busy week with uh, some health issues going on with my hubby so yeah so also with uh, the sound healing um, what kind of difference did that make for you because I know that you also worked with uh, was it Alana? Eileen, Eileen McCusick um, Eileen. Eileen yeah Eileen McCusick um, so I still use sound therapy today so sound healing today so When I met Eileen, I was asking her, what do you do? And basically, she tunes out of tuned bodies. So we all have a frequency and vibration. We actually emit sound. We can't hear it with our ears, but we actually emit sound and frequency. And what biofield tuning does, it actually tunes our bodies back into our natural harmonious state. So we get out of balance, which is normal right? Life happens, right? Situations happen, you know, um, and it's no different than a storm rolling through, right? Like things happen. So, so for me, sound therapy is an ongoing thing for me. Like I, I do it frequently actually, because I feel good and I get revitalized and it's kind of like a jump start. Like you were talking about Reiki. Yep. I actually, believe it or not, have my Reiki certification too. I don't talk about it. Um, I have a lot of healing certificates and certifications because I wanted to learn how I could apply this to myself when I wasn't seeing practitioners so that I could do this on myself um, on a frequent basis anyways. But um, we owe it to ourselves to, you know, get these, you know, tune-ups, if you will, or just to cleanse our energetic field because then we show up in our best self. But I liken it to, brushing our teeth like we wouldn't think about not brushing our teeth right so some of this although I don't do sound therapy every day 
-hmm. I do it pretty frequently in my, but meditation, meditation and breath work is a staple in my, is a staple. It like, it's a non-negotiable. Yeah. That's my morning ritual too. Meditation, grounding myself, uh, hollow sink, visualization, journaling, gratitudes, all of those things. That's my, my first half hour of the day. I love Holosync. By the way, Holosync was a big part of my journey at healing too. Like in the beginning, oh, like that was just so powerful because it gets to such deep levels of the brain where you can start to, you know, uh, rework the neural pathways of the brain for harmony and balance. Exactly. So many wisdom nuggets here. Um, now, as we get into our last you know, 10 minutes, I know that we said we would give away a gift and we will, um, but I also just wanted to surprise, you know, if you think about maybe four or five lessons, four or five key insights that you've taken away from this whole experience, what would you say you've learned? What's most important to share for the listeners? I would say the number one thing is trust yourself and your instincts over anyone else. That is still my ongoing, I'm still mastering that to be candid. But when I listen to my heart and my gut, it never fails me. Usually because I'm a highly intellectual woman, I sometimes rationalize my brain. Well, no, 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 no. And then I, that very instinct that I had, I put it aside and it usually detours me so trusting yourself and your instincts even over the so-called experts Mm -hmm. that is key here um i can't i can't impress upon that enough you know if a doctor or someone else is saying something it doesn't quite feel right lean into that not feel right and and go within yourself to to discover what's going on but trust yourself over everyone else is um key it doesn't mean you don't trust other people. That's not what I'm saying, but always trust your gut instincts and what your heart's telling you to do. Um, Number two is have the courage to act on the wisdom that your heart and soul are giving to you. I got to tell you, that's an equal challenge for me, right? Because I mean, imagine sitting in a hospital bed, not knowing if you were going to live to see another day and your background is in economics and business and finance you have no med- no medical or health background and you're being given wisdom to go on a path like you might as well have told me you're going to go climb mount everest tomorrow <laughs> right but when we listen the universe and god meets us where we're at and when we take the first inspired action the next crumb appears or the next yellow brick road appears, the yellow brick appears. Mm -hmm. And then you take the next one. It is, it's the courage. And by the way, courage, if you look at a frequency map of energy, courage is in the, is the midpoint where you go from surviving to thriving, but you will endure fear. You will endure like, that's what comes up, right? Because we are also wired our brains are wired in survival mode and that's not a bad thing, Mm -hmm. right? Except that if we listen to it too much, it can keep us small as you and I both know. Yep. I'm still, still dealing with it. Right. So number two is having the courage to lean in and, and take that inspired action. Number three, ask, 
ask for what you truly desire. Mm-hmm. Ask for support, ask others, you know, as somebody who was so independent and that was, that was a learned behavior to keep myself safe. I had to learn to let that go. And I'm still learning that one, right. Is asking for support, asking, you know, bringing in, I think a lot of us um, successful women, you know, former corporate corporate women, or, you know, even successful entrepreneurs, we got ourselves to that place because we were very determined, independent women. And that's not a bad thing. And it's the thing that will keep us from going to the next level. We've got to surround ourselves with team. Yeah, it it is one of the things I see coming up with uh, solopreneurs um, who, uh, as I said, haven't necessarily got that level of balance that they're looking for and are ready, um, but they don't know how to go about hiring the best person. And having been in corporate before and interviewed and hired about 6,000 people in my career, I developed a process around that, a 12-step process. So, okay, so that's uh, one, two, three. Uh, So, and by the way, these are not in chronological or numerical order, as you say. Love. Love yourself like it you're the only thing that matters. For me, the experience taught me self-love because the truth is I had a lot of self-hatred. You would never know that, but I did. And you'll learn by watching the film that um, I had to face the terrorist that lived inside of me and heal that woman. And that was the irony of being through that experience. The mirror of it was I had, I didn't even know it that terrorist existed inside of me until I had to confront her and love her and nurse her back to health. Mm. And so love yourself and others unconditionally. Again, something I still learn, we get triggered, right? Life happens. We get triggered by people and practicing the pause and recognizing we're all doing the best that we can. Can we have compassion for one another and embrace and love one another? as we work through our challenges. Definitely. Um, power, power pause. Talk about that in my book too. <laughs> yeah, it's powerful. React, you know, take a breath yeah. and choose how you're going to respond in the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And five is being willing to forgive the unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Um, forgiving those that hurt us. Um but also having the courage to forgive ourselves for the mistakes that we made, for the choices that we made that didn't always lead us down the right path, but it led us to a path. And the truth is we wouldn't be who we are today without, without all of it. So it's learning to embrace the, the darkest parts of our lives um, and recognize that they were they basically helped shape who we became. And, and so it's, it's about forgiving. Mm -hmm. Such a powerful word forgiveness, because it's, it's in our head, right? We have the opportunity to flip things around. We have the opportunity to create either a great day or a crappy day for ourselves. And it is something that when we have let go of resentment, we've let go of that pain and chosen a different way it's like opening a opening a new window and getting a breath of fresh air coming in 
it's an air of possibility. I love that. Thank you. What wisdom nuggets we have. And I want to make sure that we also are referring people back. I watched your movie, um, your Rise and Thrive Productions movie. And I want to make sure that people know where to go and that you had also been giving um, some free gifts, right? So when yes. people go to uh, purchase, it's only 1995, 1999. Uh, 1999. When you purchase a copy of um jennifer's movie which you get a login and you can then access so you can watch it more than once um you get some gifts with it so please speak to those gifts in our last couple of minutes here yeah sure so when you purchase the film you have unlimited access lifetime for the film right mm -hmm. because there's so much insights and wisdom in the film we wanted people to have lifetime access this also the film in of itself is built in with sound and light frequencies. So it's actually a healing experience for anybody that watches it as well. And you'll get whatever it is you need. That's the intention of the film. The free bonuses are, um, we given, uh, we're given away a free excerpt of my chapter in Jack Canfield's bestselling book, Master the Outer Success. We're giving away a guided med sound meditation based on high tech technology. And it's called um, uh, Receiving. I think all of us right now could receive, whether it's more, you know, more love in our lives or more money in our lives or more clients in our life, whatever that is for you, there's a guided meditation. You get to set your intention. It's, it's steeped in sound technology and it's 11 minutes long. So it's meant for people that, you know, have a fast paced life and just only have a little bit of time. You can listen to that. Um, the other piece is, um, my gosh, I'm having him. What is the other piece? I, I think it's oh, Christy, Christy. Yeah, yeah, Christy Whitman's. I, I, Christy Whitman um, has gifted us her 30-day words of wisdom. So every day that you, you will receive a word, and it's the word that you need to learn to either embrace or let go of, and it's, it, and it's understanding how these words play a role in your life mm -hmm. and determine whether you're surviving or thriving. Excellent. So... To go to pick up that bonus, people go where again? To there's got to be more to life.com. Okay, so I'll put it in the show notes. There's got to be more to life.com. And also, if you want to reach out and learn more about Jennifer, you can go to her website. So, Jennifer Kaufman, K A U F F M A N, jenniferkaufman.com. You can also find her on LinkedIn. Uh, Instagram under Kaufman74 and on Facebook under Rise and Thrive Productions. This has been so insightful. I'm so glad that we connected and that uh, I invited you to learn more about your story and your gifts and your insights on the show. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I appreciate you and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you, Yvonne. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for sharing your words of wisdom with everyone, too, because we all can learn from each other. So thank you. And have yeah. a wonderful day. Thank you. Words matter. Words are powerful. We'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Bye for now.